Hey everyone, Will Savin here, Mississippi State beat writer for the Clarion Ledger, along with Antonio Morales, and welcome to the first episode of 2018 for All About That Egg. Believe it or not, it took us until almost midway February to get our first episode together for, for the new year, but we're here, you're listening to us, and we're very thankful for that. Should have a big year on All About That Egg, and it all starts with this episode. So, Antonio, my first question I wanted to be... I wanted it to be this to you on uh, this year. Have you ever been in a position like Jacob Copeland was where he makes a huge announcement and you have somebody really close to you in your life just get up and leave? I have not. I'm, I'm sure it would have happened when I was college and I, at, when I was in college and was graduating and I left for New York for a summer, but uh, I avoided that and that was smooth sailing. Um, but I'm sure that could have been much worse than it was. Um, but that's the only, that's the only uh, occasion I can think of off the top of my head. You? No, my parents didn't care enough to actually even, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no. You're an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that's a really, uh, that's a really depressing way to, uh, kick off the new year on this podcast. But no, uh, for, for those of us, for those of you who did not catch it, Jacob Copeland, uh, where is he a prospect from? Is he from Alabama? Do you even know? Do I even know? No. Anyway, All I know is he was deciding between Florida and Alabama. And his mom was not happy with the result. Mm-hmm. For a little while, at least. She came back. And, and what, what got me was I think ESPN was doing it live. And yeah, yeah. it really put the reporter in a tight spot because, like, here's you're watching this big-time prospect announce his col- college decision. And you have somebody who is obviously very close to him. You don't know who it is being somebody who doesn't know the kid as just a reporter on ESPN. But the person just gets up and leaves after the announcement is made. So, like, naturally, you kind of have to ask, like, uh, what's going on over there, Jacob? And, yeah, it's just a very awkward thing. Thankfully for him and, you know, just to make a very sad story into a better story, I guess, his mom came back and things seemed to be pretty cool. But it was, like, really awkward um, and really sad for a few seconds. She's she's not a fan of Dan Mullen from what from what I'm gathering from from all this stuff. You know, everything always ties back to Mississippi in some way, I've learned. Isn't that the way it is? Like every like no matter what, there's always like some sort of tie. You know, it's it's pretty, pretty crazy. So even on a story that does not involve either school on signing day, you can make it a Mississippi story because she just hated Dan Mullen that much that she had to <laughs> she couldn't take it. She couldn't even take the thought of it. Now we have Miss fans. Yeah, now we have Mississippi State fans nodding their head as they listen, like say, "Yep." <laughs> Nobody likes Dan Mullen anymore. Uh, I, th- I think Dan Mullen's all right. Uh, you know, I think he's a pretty good football coach. He made out all right on signing day, and I also know that nobody else wants to hear about that. So anyway, um, signing day did happen. It was on Wednesday. <laughs> I was keeping up a little bit with Ole Miss just because I knew we were going to record and I like to stay somewhat informed on what's going on over there. Was it as bad as people were making it out to be? Because every time, every time like I looked, it was like, oh no, they they missed on another kid. Were they actually in the mix with any of these kids, or like, how do you explain that? Like, or what's going on there? I think the way to explain it is they were in the mix for some of these kids, but they weren't the favorite for Mm -hmm. any of these kids. They were just like number two, number three, number four. Like 
they weren't the favorite. They weren't like the front runner coming into the day. The kids they signed were kids that were all committed to them. Uh, the only guys they flipped was the only person they flipped was Tyler Knight, which people expected anyway. Um, he was waiting for that old Miss offer, and he was committed to Louisiana Lafayette. But some of the other like they already signed two four star receivers. They already had three receivers in their class. So to get like a, a Marquez Desert or a Tommy Bush who committed to Georgia, that was just going to be like a cherry on the top of whatever else they signed receiver wise. Uh, so they weren't really like the favorites coming into those coming into those signings. Tank Jenkins, I think I think that one hurt a bit just because he was a four star offensive lineman, and they're going to need to recruit the offensive line pretty hard in the 2019 recruiting cycle, uh, just because Greg Little's going to leave and um, a couple of the other linemen will be seniors. Um, then obviously they need defensive guys, but they they got in kind of late on Andrew Parker who committed to Arkansas, um, and and some other guys. They just weren't really the front runners for those, and that's obviously something they'll need to address in the 2019 recruiting cycle would where there's a bevy of of defensive players, highly rated defensive players in Mississippi. Oh, for sure. Everybody wants to be Mississippi made these days. <laughs> Mississippi State, all Miss, everybody. That's right. That's right. But right now, Mississippi State's the uh, can carry that name a little bit with some weight. They landed what the top six guys on two four seven as far as Mississippi as far as Mississippi prospects go, all headed to Starkville. You surprised by that at all? I'm not. After <laughs> I'm not just because of all. Even though it's like. Um, the coaching situation was a negative thing, not a negative thing. They made out they made out great with Joe Moorhead. Don't get me wrong, but just the fact that they had some turnover usually leads to some problems, you know. Unless you know you're, you're bringing in a Hall of Fame coach, um, but but anyway, despite that, I'm not really surprised because of the mess that Ole Miss had as far as recruiting goes for such a long time. So I'm not really su- and I, surprised by that. And I, kn- I know that. Moorhead came in, but it was a matter of just keeping the class mostly together. I mean, Mississippi State had such a head start in this recruiting cycle just because Ole Miss was dealing with NCAA stuff, then Hugh Freeze resigned. Matt Luke didn't have the interim tag taken off till like November 27th. And by that time, Matt uh, Dan Mullen had already built a really solid recruiting class at Mississippi State. Um, so it was just a matter of Moorhead keeping things together, whereas Matt Luke and this staff, they had to kind of not start over per se, but kind of really get going after he was named the permanent coach. Yeah, for sure. I will say, though, that there's a lot of pressure, too, though, with just keeping things together because mm-hmm. the t- as soon as one kid isn't part of that togetherness, <laughs> you have a lot of people bothered by that. So there's a lot of pressure there with just not messing it up or – giving kids the incentive to to hold their commitment and not look elsewhere because as soon as a coach leaves, this is what I was talking about earlier, every other school that had any sort of remote interest in, in the kid or suddenly needs the kid or whatever the case is, now they're in that kid's ear saying, oh, you know, new coach, this and that. And there's a lot of negative recruiting that goes on. So all that said, it's probably a little bit unfair to judge, I think, either group of coaching staffs mm-hmm. based off of this class. There were some good things, a little bit of not so good things on both ends. But as a whole, I think 
the fan bases, depending on what your expectations are, should feel all right about it, if not pretty good. Again, depending in, in, on what your expectations are. In your mind, what were the good things and what were the not so good things? For Mississippi State, I mean, the good things, you landed, like I said before, the top players in the state. That's always a big deal. And they ended up with 13 kids from Mississippi. And six six dandy dozens, as long as being six players ranked in, top, in the uh, 24-7 composite list. And they, they really hit on what they needed. So their class ended up being number 27 on the rankings. And I don't really care too much about rankings. I know people make a big deal about it, and that's what we go by. Um, I know some people who make the rankings, so that makes me not really take them that seriously. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so with me and, and like when I try to evaluate a certain – class, I look, okay, what did they need to, to get done? And did they get it to the best of their ability? Were there kids out there that they missed on? Um, or did they hit on the kids that they wanted? And did they fill their needs? And for Mississippi State, they mostly did that. The exception is offensive line. They did not do so well there. And I'm not saying that as a knock to the kid who they landed, Cameron Jones. He meets Mississippi, Mississippi Alabama all-star kid, fine player. That's not my problem. My problem is, is he's the only one they took, <laughs> aside from Quatravis Johnson, who signed in December. You probably needed somebody else at least to get three guys, not just two. So that's that's where I have a legitimate gripe with this class. But like I wrote about, that's my only gripe really, because otherwise they got the corners they needed. They got Fabian Lovett, who is a key piece on the defensive defensive line. And like I said, they kind of dominated. Mississippi as far as in-state recruiting goes. So I was talking about a little bit earlier uh, about the fact that you can't really you can't really grade them fairly right now, but let's grade them anyway. You know, like let's <laughs> let's let's just grade them anyway because <laughs> everybody else did it, you know, with with the rankings. So let's just give them some grades. What would you give Ole Miss? Like, you know, A from A to F. Probably a B or a B plus. Just wait, wait, wait. Let, 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 let's clarify the the parameters first. Are we talking just <laughs> Thursday or are we talking the entire class? What do you want to do? I'm talking. I'm talking the entire class. Okay. Let's do two grades. Let's do two grades. How about that? Let's do entire <laughs> class and Thursday. What do you got? For, for the entire class, a, a B plus, just because we sat here on one of our last uh, one of our last podcasts. I was talking about Ole Miss is be ranked like in the 40s, you know, toward the 50s, and they they finished in the third. They finished number 30 as of right now, uh, which is pretty impressive. I think if you would have told any Ole Miss fan like, hey, on the eve of on the eve of the early signing period, they're 61st, and right now they're 30th. I think if you would have told them that, they would have taken that. They had a four-star quarterback that they needed to get. For the future, after Shea Patterson transferred, um, so they have the long-term picture kind of solved. There, they got some receivers which they're going to need after this upcoming season because guys like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and Demarcus Lodge will be gone, uh, or could be gone. So they need to plan well for there. They they could have gotten another running back. They or they probably should like needed to get another running back. They only got one. Scott Phillips. Um, they need some more linebackers, obviously. 
which so they they signed three or four of them every year they do huh (laughs) yeah i think it's just trying to if you uh if you get enough hopefully one of them one of them lands hopefully one of them sticks and turns into something um I mean, sooner or but, later, sooner or later, that may just happen. But just just the way, just the effort that Matt Luke and the staff put forward the past two months, I think, was pretty strong. So I give them a B, B plus for today. Um, obviously, they're not going to win every year, finishing thirty first. Um, but o- overall, the today, <laughs> today. Today, if you're an Ole Miss fans, probably when you complain a little bit just because they didn't close well, so maybe it's like a, a C minus or something for today. today. Just be, just because. Well, there's still, but it's like we said earlier. It needs some context because I don't think they were. I don't think they were the favorites for some of those guys. They mm-hmm. were just in the mix. Um, so maybe like a C C minus for today. They set, they kept the guys commit. They signed the guys that are committed to them. So credit for. Keep for basically doing what they were gonna do. It was nothing extraordinary, nothing awful, just pretty ordinary, pretty uneventful. So I, I think a C grade is fair, just because they kind of kept it sweat status quo and they added Tylen Knight to the guys that were already committed. Did they go at as far as the guys they missed? Were they going after kids that maybe they shouldn't have been going after? Like you know where you know where you stand, you know in the game of life, right? Like you know, <laughs> you know, like where you know the league that you're playing in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, they, I think did, they they wanted to make an honest run at Tommy Bush, and they did, but he committed to Georgia. I, I know Ole Miss with receiver. It's different for Ole Miss just because they've had a lot of success there, and their offense is appealing two receivers i mean when you're going up when you're trying to get like tommy bush it's going to be hard and tank jenkins is the other the other guys you're competing with are oklahoma and texas a&m it's gonna texas a&m with jimbo fisher um now uh, it's gonna make it harder to kind of get those guys um i think i think two of the guys that are going after that they kind of jumped in late on signed with arkansas I think if if there are guys if those were guys they were straight up competing with for like a long period of time and they chose Arkansas maybe that's a bit more of an issue but they kind of jumped in late on those guys um, and had to play catch up so um, I don't think it was a big a, as big an issue there but I think some of those guys it was going to be an uphill battle. Yeah, you know that's the thing with Mississippi State is like they they tend to stay in their lane when it comes to recruiting, <laughs> you know, and and not to go into. The other discussion about recruiting, of course, but um, just in terms of players that they're going after, you know, you didn't mm-hmm. see them, you didn't see them really miss on too many kids that I, I outlined the day before on who that they were looking at because those were guys, those were gettable guys. Like the, that was, the, that I'm not gonna say they were easy, but those are guys they should have got, and if they didn't, yeah. they would have had problems. So I always just wonder about that. Like if you're Ole Miss, I mean, did you invest too much time in, you know, Joe Four Star when you could have gotten, you know, the kid from Mississippi who is the mid-tier three-star? I don't know. And then 
you end up getting somebody less than the mid-tier three-star anyway. I don't know. So yeah. I, I always just think about feel, that, you know? Yeah, I feel like in the in the three recruiting class, the three signing days I've been here in Mississippi, it's, you, you rarely see Mississippi State go after, like, the out-of-state four-star or five-star kid. Um, but you always see Ole Miss kind of, Kind of, kind of in the mix for, um, like if Mississippi State's going after a four or five star, it's gonna be somebody like Jeffrey Simmons, AJ Brown, Raekwon Davis, those kind of guys, like a DT Bowie, mm-hmm. Willie Gay, um, the in-state guys, exactly, um, who are who are kind of close. It's not gonna be a guy from Alabama or Louisiana or Texas that they're <laughs> that they're gonna be in the running for. Yeah, I mean, eventually you have to do that, of course, you know, yeah. and that's why my my grades are what they are from Mississippi State because I'm not grading them, thinking that they that they should be in the top fifteen in the SEC. Or, I mean, in, in the country, it's just not realistic right now, especially when you're going through a coaching change. So with all that, with all things considered, I'm gonna go like B and B. I I, I probably could go B plus, B plus, but I'm a pretty hard marker. And I, I, I just can't get over the offensive line situation. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you're fed up. <laughs> like you, gosh, man. And I really appreciated Joe Moorhead's answer on it too. When I asked him, just like you know, how do you evaluate that position group at this point? Because I mean, you only ended up with two guys, and he was like, you know, we got to do better. We got to do better. So I, I appreciate the honesty on that because in, instead of trying to make it seem like it was something. Uh, oh, that you know. What What do you mean? That sort of thing. It was no. We got to do better on that. That's something we got to work on. So, at least that exists. Um, you sound like a Mississippi State fan talking about John Evesy right now, and he's not even there anymore. <laughs> you know, like you got to be critical though when you think about it, and you got to. I, I feel like you do sort of have to put yourself in, you know, not not necessarily a fan's perspective, but just like um, somebody who just knows the team well, sort of thing. And mm. year after year, it's the same thing. And I don't know. It, it's a it's a very good class for Mississippi State. Again, I'm probably being way too harsh, uh, even with just a B. It probably is B plus, but whatever. Um, get some offensive linemen next year, and the, the grade will go up. I guarantee you. <laughs> Speaking of next year, <laughs> big class, man. 2019. Uh, who? Man, I don't know where to begin. There's like what a thousand, a thousand four stars and like a handful of five stars, and it's, I don't it's know. twelve four stars, twelve that four it? star players, and what yeah. one five star, Nicobe Dean or somebody like that, Pickering. No, they're both four stars. They're both rated like ninety five on two four seven. Interesting. Well, there's four four players rated ninety five: Jerry Neely, Dante Starks, Nathan Pickering, and Nicobe Dean. All Got rated ninety five. Yeah, I mean, like what you, what you were talking about earlier with uh, the competition from other schools, man, that's going to be so stiff. And that's when we're yeah. going to learn exactly what these staffs are made of because they've got to protect their turf here with the recruiters that have and, – and the SEC has always had good recruiters. And a lot of the programs, I don't want to say they sell themselves, but they're, they're, they have legacies and histories and track records there. But you're – you know, Pruitt's now a head coach at Tennessee – Morris is at Arkansas, so you you have a couple of different guys in different spots and Jimbo's at 
Texas a and Absolutely. Yeah, I knew I was forgetting somebody. You got Dan Mullen in Florida. <laughs> no. Um, you know, you, you just have – you're adding those three guys. Let's go with that, right? Morris, Pruitt, and, and uh, Fisher – and uh, what's his name? Jimbo. A&M. Yeah, um, Jimbo. So you have those three guys. Th- those guys all are known to be really, really – very, very, very good recruiters. So mm-hmm. it's going to be very tough. Still, though, I mean, like they have their own kids in their own states that they're going to go after pretty hard. I spoke to a couple of different recruiters from out of state, and they're already targeting this. They, they've been targeting this class, and they have goals in mind of, you know, I, I need at least one kid. That's what I hear a lot from different people, you know, in the nearby states is I need at least one kid to come here. Don't don't need to get three or four. Not not looking to get three or four. Not expecting to get three or four. But I need at least one. So you know, a couple of schools have that approach. You know, it, it, the list of four stars starts to shrink for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they could beat those schools, but the chances and, obviously become you, smaller. And you see fans on social media. They're like, we need to get. Seven out of the twelve guys, like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> like, uh, like, maybe, it it. maybe it will. Maybe it will. You know, a lot, a lot of this depends just on how good these teams are next year, too. I, mm. at least in my opinion, Joe Moorhead comes in, lights the world on fire, and Mississippi State gets off to a great start and finish. You know, has a pretty good season. Whatever the case is, maybe maybe things maybe they do look pretty good as far as the state goes because I think that they have a better shot a better shot than Ole Miss does at landing the majority of the kids because the majority of the kids excuse me are defensive players Ole Miss can offer early playing time because the front seven on defense will be it's it's been well, the linebacker position has been a mess but how how effective has that has that been for them? I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, who who have been the big linebackers in the state recently? Willie Gay was one; they didn't get him. Um, mm-hmm. Leo, Leo Lewis for for everything that went into that, they didn't get him. Um, um, and they missed on some other guys. I know they missed on Jeffrey Simmons is obviously a big one too. That was on the, on the defensive line. Um, but they need to kind of rebuild that front seven, and 2019 is going to be a year where there's a lot of front seven players that are highly rated in Mississippi. Um, so they can offer early playing time, as opposed to Mississippi State, where they can offer results and pretty much a, a track record of success with these kind of guys. You know, I think I think a lot of kids just want to have to be able to be able. A lot of kids want to be able to say to themselves. I can get developed here. I can get on to the next level. No matter who you are, like that's always your dream, right? Is to be that kid who makes it to the next level. So you want to go to the place where that is the track record for success. So I think we got a lot of time before we get into 2019. So I don't want to go too overboard with it. And frankly, I'm a little bit sick of the recruiting conversation. So... I guess what I really want to ask is what's going on with Andy Kennedy at Ole Miss? <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's not looking good right now. They're they're eleven and thirteen, and I think they're four and seven. 
in the SEC and they traveled to LSU on on Saturday to to face their old friend Bill Armstrong. Uh, and it's just the the everybody knew what what the deal was coming into the season. The the, the two school the two sides Andy Kennedy and the school failed to come to an agreement on the contract terms. So there was pressure on Andy Kennedy. It was basically essentially a people some people saw it as an NCAA tournament or bust kind of year. And they're far from the NCAA tournament right now. So um, the crowd was small on Tuesday night at the Pavilion, which isn't good. Um, they've lost six or seven games. There's no sign of them turning it around. Um, and it's just not looking good for them right now. And the thing is, it's not looking good. There's no sign of turning it, turning things around, and there's still a month left in, in this season. Um, so it's going to be a pretty long month. It really is, right? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> some uh, some not-so-great-looking basketball ahead, probably. Yeah. I was kind of kidding when I asked you about Andy Kennedy, but I'm glad you <laughs> did provide an update on it because it's, it is interesting. And I think that's something that I think we're going to go probably – Barring anything else that comes up as far as cool conversations to have, probably go into a lot of basketball next week in our, mm-hmm. in our next episode. What do you think? Sounds good to me. I mean, signing day is over. What else are we going to talk about? Yeah, exactly. There was a flip, by the way. I meant to, I was meaning to mention it, and I forgot. There was a big flip. Scott Fountain flipped to Georgia to start <laughs> oh, off signing yeah. day. Did you see that? <laughs> Yeah. Tough break for, for the Bulldogs. He was he was a great he would have been a great addition for Mississippi State. I had tweeted that and I stand by it. He he was man, that was a great hire. <laughs> Lasted all all of one month or not even, right? He was so good, Three Georgia wanted him back, man. <laughs> nah, yeah, I guess I was right. I mean that that's that's it's the mark of a quality coach to be coveted, right? So Yeah. But yeah, I, I think we're gonna go into a lot of uh Basketball chatter since Mississippi State's off to uh, is on a pretty good run right now. Went four straight in the SEC for the first time in like thirty years, <laughs> ten years. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Baseball starting in a week. Yeah, I got a lot. I got a lot going on. So we wanted to. Yeah, well, yeah, women's basketball. Oh yeah, that's always going on, man. It's year round. By the way, for those <laughs> listening, and get this: the 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 biggest. One of the most – we post a bunch of stories on signing day, of course, just like everybody else. But one of the one of the, one of of the the stories that generated the most traffic for the Clarion Ledger website was about a women's basketball signee, a, a transfer from UConn. So that's a pretty big deal, right, for, for women's basketball to – they essentially, in my opinion, stole the show on signing day, though. No? <laughs> stole the show. No, nah, I wouldn't exactly. go that far, but I mean, yeah, th- there's a lot of interest there. They're not going to go. They're not going away anytime soon, so we'll be all over it starting uh, early next week in our next episode. But thanks for listening, guys. Definitely wanted to catch everybody up on signing day, offer our takes on the classes. So hopefully, we provided that. Feel free to catch all about that egg anywhere you get your podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Or SoundCloud, for example, we also post on ClarenLedger.com. For Antonio Morales, this is Will Simon. Thanks for listening, guys.